Um, this is Creator All-Stars. We are a call-in original show where we highlight some of the most innovating and interesting creators on the web. That's right. So first, Elizabeth, what a great friend you are. It's amazing to be welcoming uh, Elizabeth, you, to the show. I was going to read some stuff about you, but frankly, I, I'm amazed at how much you've done both no. in media, bilingually, uh, KTLA Morning News, Fox 11, Good Day LA, CNN Latino. You've been on radio, KFI AM. You've been on Studio SoCal on PBS. You are now with the LA County Sheriff's Department, and you've done a lot more. Uh, you're amazing. How are you? Oh, my gosh. You're so <laughs> sweet. Thank you. Thank you. No, I'll tell you what. Um, I, I sell oranges on the freeway to you on the 405. Um, I do it all. Wow. I, I tell everybody, I think the, the, the thing I'm proudest of most, I think we've talked a little bit about that, is um, I am Christian's sister. And uh, as you know, I have a little brother that uh, is so much taller than I am. So it's funny when I say little brother. But and, you know, I've, has- and I've met him and yes. uh, wonderful to meet him. Tell everyone who Christian is and just what the, the important role and uh, centrality to your life uh, he is and your whole family is. Yeah. You know what? I think it's just important for folks to know that, like, look, I'm a daughter of immigrant parents. Uh, I was born in the U.S. here in Los Angeles, uh, where I'm sitting uh, now in my house. Um, but my mom came from El Salvador. My dad came from Mexico. And I was blessed with that experience. I think that, you know, being a first-gen child also, to it, it gives you perspective, right? I mean, I was also very lucky that my parents always took us back to their home countries, you know, every year, especially as kids. And so those are your formative years. You need to see how the world is. You know, you can't live in a bubble. So that was very important. And then on top of it, um, it's sad because my brother did incur, you know, a a very horrible um, accident at birth. It was medical malpractice. And so, but we didn't know. And two years into his life, you know, when my parents saw that my little brother wasn't speaking, moving, walking or any of that, we had started to go to see all the specialists around you know, the county, around the state, around the, the country. And then it turned out that my brother had suffered traumatic brain injury at birth. So it changed the course of everyone's life. And I think for me, the beauty is that having, you know, growing up with a brother who's nonverbal, he can't speak. He has traumatic brain injury. I mean, look at it like he has like autism. He's got some things that are similar, but um, it's so amazing. It's been life-changing. It's what's made me the person I am today. It's made me the journalist. I mean, a lot of people say, wow, you're so forward and you're such a big energy and you'll, you know, you're out there and you're like, you know, what, 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 what are you embarrassed of? And I'm like, no, you just, you learn, um, you really learn that there's really nothing to, to really be embarrassed about. I mean, it's like when, you know, we do better when we know better. Um, I think no question is, is a dumb question. I think that we're all learning every day. And I also, you know, wanted to start off by actually saying thank you to Olivia and to you, Phil, for this invitation. I'm very excited for what you guys are doing here. And honestly, you're doing the, you know, the Lord's work by spreading good news and, you know, giving people really good content because you are both very incredible humans that are very smart very accomplished yourself. So I, I just want you to know that I'm very, very honored to be here. Thank you for saying that. That's wonderful. Oh, that's, you're too kind, Elizabeth. We're, I, we're true. absolutely thrilled to have you. No, it's so true. I mean, look at you, creator all-stars. <laughs> so cool. 
<laughs> we got we got some good some good some good names and good branding going. Um, you really do. But you know, in, in all seriousness, sort of, I want to touch on something that you mentioned in our Instagram live, and and something you know that I was sort of really struck by hearing about Christian and and hearing about you know your relationship with him as as his sister. As he's nonverbal, as you were saying, just because he he's not speaking doesn't mean that he doesn't have anything to say. And I think that distinction is such an important one and one that cannot get lost. And it's, it seems like you've sort of taken the responsibility or or the opportunity to make sure that that doesn't get lost. And I'm wondering, you know, sort of as you have gone through all of your different roles, like all the different hats you've worn from KTLA to CNN to the sheriff's department to, you know, being Christian sister, being an activist, how has your communication style change from role to role and and how does it really sort of connect back to this idea of everybody has something to say it's a brilliant question once again you see see what i'm telling you to all the followers and listeners this is, this is a smart crew right here <laughs> that is really an excellent question because it does change but i think at, at the at its core you know the foundation is that everyone has a story and i think you have to be patient and understanding that we all speak a different language even though we think we speak the same language we don't um and it's also the way we deliver the information and it's how we listen and i think we've lost the ability sadly um not to get political on you but in this country we we're polarized because we're not listening anymore and and, and listening isn't just what comes out of your mouth it's you know it's your body language it's the verbal you know the the tone the demeanor. And, and so I think for me, the, the beauty of learning to communicate and to be a voice for him, because think about this. I mean, Christian, so for all of you listening, my brother is 38 years old. Yeah, I can't believe I'm over 38 because he's, I guess I can't lie down and say that I'm younger than him. Damn it. But, um, you know, at, for 38 years going to school meetings with my parents, you know, to help advocate for him and lobby for his rights. Uh, we have to basically speak for him. You know, the doctor will ask as an example. Uh, so does he complain of stomach pain, belly pain? And we're like, uh, well, he doesn't say he does. So we have to be detectives, right? So we have to watch him carefully. How, you know, what's his, um, you know, his behavior, his mood. And, and so I think it's those little intricacies, you know, it's all the, in the details that has helped me communicate with people when I was a reporter coming to someone's home right in the midst of the worst moment in their life, somebody was murdered. And now I've got to be that reporter showing up, trying not to ask the obvious question that I know a lot of people criticize reporters for, which is, how do you feel? Well, how do you think I feel? Right. But you're trying to evoke the soundbite, right? That's, that's all, you know, news talk, but the, the, the soundbite, the information, the person to say, I feel awful. And then that's what you put on television. Well, you know, it's important to, you know, use tact. It's important to be compassionate. It's important to be empathetic. And, I think that's helped me with, you know, in, in the news gathering piece. Um, now in the law enforcement side, I think it's important as well because uh, there's a lot of, it, it's a different type of decorum. It's a paramilitary structure. People speak to each other differently. Expectations are different. And so I believe that we also have to be uh, masters of managing expectations, right? Our own included when we go into a conversation and even in a, in a relationship, a romantic relationship, right? Well, and you you really are hitting on a key point about empathy, right? And I do think that has separated you from other folks in media, which is you're bringing this empathy, not just 
from your work with Christian and the advocacy, but also, like you said, being a daughter of immigrants and there, yeah. the number of hardships you've talked in other interviews about. Uh, I think you said something along the lines of hardships are not a reason for not showing up. They are a reason for showing up. Uh, yes. Can you maybe just speak to that? How have these hardships and challenges uh, affected you? And then how has this empathy helped yeah. define you as a personality? Well, and Phil, you know, thank you for that. I mean, I do think that um, it is true. I, I mean, think about this. How do you sharpen a knife, right? We've heard that example before, but it's true. Right. It's under pre- it's under pressure, right? Yeah. So uh, that's life. I mean, we're not going to get better at, you know, d- dealing with challenges unless we go through them. And it, and it's in a weird, you know, it's just life. And I wish it weren't didn't have to be that way. But we build up that muscle, that emotional muscle, the empathy muscle as well, um, by living and experiencing these moments of discrimination, of alienation. Listen, growing up with a brother with disabilities that is different, especially think about my brother was born in 1983. So let's just go to like 19, you know, 88 or something. Uh, nobody was really talking about diversity equity and inclusion. I mean, those are buzzwords that we use today. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, this is, we're having this conversation in June of 2022. And this is Pride Month, as an example. I mean, remember even that conversation about kids coming out as gay or lesbian, uh, that was like, so, so frowned upon. Now it's, it's part of the conversation. It's more mainstream. I mean, we, we've, you know, things have changed. And I think that's wonderful. But it's still really, Still, all of these things are still really hard to go through. And for me, um, I find it, in all honesty, my empathy, my ability to say, how would I feel if I were in those shoes? And I try to be patient even when people are not nice to me because I think, well, it really doesn't have anything to do with me. It's really something that they're going through. And I think that you have to evolve as a human. But going through all of these challenges with my brother um, has had you have to learn i mean you become more patient it's amazing i mean my mom jokes with me all the time she's like elizabeth you're not a patient person but it's amazing how patient you are with your brother and i said well i know mom i said but isn't that funny love is also the superpower in all this right but the empathy i think the empathy that i've learned to have you know for you know others uh, is a superpower i mean there, there, there's there is no question um, and I do think you got to lean into your story too. And don't be embarrassed. Absolutely. And by the way, isn't that the greatest compliment you can get from your mother? The fact that the patients may not be come naturally, but you've yeah. developed that and you've been forced to develop that. And it's really, you know, now part of you, you've woven that into to who you are. No, it's actually very true. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I laugh and I look at myself and I'm like, wow, not so bad as Spinoza. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta give yourself props. That's the other thing. Don't be so hard on yourself. You know, we're so, we're all pretty hard on ourselves, right? Us, us overachiever types. And I think you also have to give yourself, a, you know, a round of applause because if you don't believe in yourself, mm. no one else is going to believe in yourself. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I also, I think there's something to be said too of, you know, when you are so focused on communication and so focused on stories, like you want to share and tell other people's stories, like you have to be confident in your own and you have to be able to be proud to share your own and stand in your own because that, you know, it's all, it all feels like part of one cycle in that way. Right. But you know, the other thing too with this Olivia and Phil 
it's really important. I talk about this a lot to, you know, kids that I try to mentor or even, you know, my peers. Authenticity is also very important. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. authenticity is 360. You have to be genuine. You have to be honest. You have to be true to who you are, what you want, and what is your contribution to this world? What, 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 why were you put here? What's your purpose? And you may not know overnight. That's okay. It's a process. It takes time. It might change from here to there. But I think authenticity is really, really, really key. I remember when I first started in news reporting, and I should have you all know that my, I was never thinking, I, I didn't think I was going to be a reporter growing up. I loved it, but I didn't know how to get in, right? It seemed like the impossible, like my dad isn't, you know, Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> how am I going to get in? So luckily, and I always give credit to these organizations, there's a, non, there's a nonprofit still in existence, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. So shout out to NHJ because they helped me get into the business of news. But I will tell you, while I was going to college, shout out to UCLA and El Camino College, because I'm also a student of community college, um, I was able to, um, you know, I was able to meet the the right people to try to, you know, get into the business. But I initially thought I was going to go to law school. In fact, I even applied to law school because I wanted to sue doctors for medical malpractice, because that's what happened to my brother. And I realized in going through our own, you know, litigation that it was going to be too personal. It was too close for comfort. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to torture my existence here. And thankfully, you know, I would say, thank you, Lord, because I'm spiritual in that way. And I'm like, God, thank you. You tell me where you want me to serve. I will follow. Just put it in my path. Please give me the wisdom. You know, show me the way. And um, and I will say, God has been amazing because He never leaves me. You know, doesn't leave me down. Down. So, um, but yes, I I I wanted to sue doctors, and luck. I ended up storytelling, but it was because it came from an authentic place. And what I tell students about, you know, because the first thing I would always get when I speak at colleges or even high schools and you know, elementary schools, they ask me. How much money do you make, right? <laughs> you make a lot of money? Always the question. Right. And listen, kids, I mean, that's an excellent question. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> How, having said that, what I can tell you for, is a fact. And I know Phil knows this because Phil has, has also seen this um, being as successful as he's been in his career. The money will follow when you do what you love. It's amazing. You the really money. do have to follow you know, people say, follow your passion. I, yeah. I agree with that up to a point, you right, know, right, that right, right. there and, and also the life you've lived and the example you set, there is a practicality, right? You yes. are always, I think on a weekly and monthly basis, you're always having to juggle things you want to do versus need to do versus That's have true. to do. And, Absolutely. and I hope when you do talk to uh, these folks, you're able to impart that as well because you yeah. you do have to be practical. So yes, follow your passion, but let also let's be realistic on what's needed, what's in demand, what's what works, what won't right. work. Right. Uh, do you ever have to counsel or advise uh, folks that are trying to break into media on how to connect the dots and go from here to there and make a living and pay the bills and Absolutely. And, and to your point, I was just having this conversation with someone about financial literacy. And I said, listen, right now, we're at a, a fork in the road. Uh, the global economy is about to take a major hit. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but we could see a depression here, folks. And so if you don't understand wealth, which I know I that's wasn't my, you know, my major, I'm not exactly the most 
knowledgeable, knowledgeable person about that. But I think it's also really important to have the humility to say, I need to learn different things, even though I don't like them. How am I going to manage money if I don't even understand the one-on-ones about it, right? Or doing any investing or whatever you want to do. So yes, I mean, to your point about like, sure, that's not my passion, but I need to know about it, right? You got to have some baseline um, information so that you can be competent. And if you need to get help, you know, someone to guide you with that, at least you can have a conversation and understand what you what you guys are doing. Right? Totally. I mean, and in my head, that kind of fits into the whole part of, of listening. Like part of listening is learning and part of learning is listening. And, and it doesn't just apply to like how you communicate with people. It applies to how you move through your, the world and through the different like historical and economic and social context that we live in. Um, and so yeah. I, I think that's sort of pretty seamless connection. Um, and I want to come back to that, but we do have a caller in the caller queue, Gregory. Um, I'd love to bring him up to ask a question. Um, so Gregory, let me pick you up. If you just unmute yourself, you can go ahead and ask. What's up, Gregory? Hey, how you doing? Good, hey, how are I you? got a question for you. Um, my wife's a substitute teacher and she does a lot of substituting in special needs classes. Oh, nice. And there's a, I mean, a massive need for AIDS and, uh, um, you know, people, in all different levels and there's all different levels of special needs classes. Yeah. But I've been talking to her saying, you know, there's so many kids with special needs and autism and it's like, what is going to happen? I mean, cause you know, the number continues mm-hmm. to become more mm-hmm. and more, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, the kids are going to outlive their parents and mostly the parents are going to be the ones that take care of these kids until they can't. And I mm-hmm. just don't know what, I mean, I don't think there's facilities. Uh, I mean, Yes, of course, there could be siblings, but not all siblings can afford to take care. I mean, because it can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, what is, I mean, I don't know. And maybe there is a plan or there is a lot of facilities for the amount of, you know, autism that's happening right now. I mean, what is going to happen 20 years or 30 years down the road for these children that are now going to be adults who most of them won't be able to take care of themselves? You know, that, did you say your name is Hugh? Sorry. Uh, no, my name is Greg. Greg, wow, I've I've missed and messed that one up. (laughs) Sorry, Greg. (laughs) Greg, you know, number one, thank your wife for me, please. Tell her thank you for choosing the career and helping our kids. Um, And number two, you're absolutely right. That's an excellent point. And I have to tell you, as a sibling, uh, as an advocate, I am horrified that I think we don't have a plan. I mean, much like what we're seeing with the economy and what we're doing with our imports and exports, um, and not to go on a tangent about that, but the truth is, we don't have a plan. And I think there's an explosion. I think more and more couples um, are having children at a later age. I mean, I don't know if it's in the water. I don't know what's happening. But, you know, there are more uh, folks di- being diagnosed with um, developmental delays. And what does our infrastructure look like? We are not, we are not compensating our caregivers to the point. And, and I don't mean the, the caregivers you see right now. We, we also need to create... It needs to be a professional workforce. In other words, it's almost like if, if you're going to have someone take care of your autistic child who's nonverbal and requires, you know, clean, you know, bathing and all toileting needs, that person should have a master's and that should, person should be as vetted as possible and should be compensated at $150,000, $180,000 a year per se. Uh, you know, of course, with inflation, all that will be, will be adjusted. But I mean, that is a big job. But yet we do that for, other folks like um, 
uh, marketing or, you know, we see our athletes. I mean, I'm not trying to take away what they're making, but I mean, it, it just, it scares me that we don't understand how important and valuable that workforce is. And the fact is it doesn't really exist. And I should have, you know, you know, as an advocate, I'm also, you know, in the loop with a little bit of what's happening with the department of developmental services, DDS oversees all of special needs services, if you will, here in California. And they just barely started with this idea of creating a uh, workforce, uh, not a workforce, sorry, like a, a um, what is it? Some kind of initiative where they're going to try to create like a professional workforce of employees. Right. But, but still, I mean, we still need to f- create a better focus, do something to improve that because I am as worried as you, it almost feels like a freight train that's just going downhill and it's about to, at some point it's going to slam into a wall. And, and I don't know if we're doing enough. So yeah, thank I agree. you for, for raising that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, just one other point, like, I mean, my wife tells me like, these aides that work in these in in the elementary school, I mean, they're paying them only fifteen bucks an hour, and these right. people, like, I mean, a lot of these children are violent, unfortunately, um, but they're attacked, they're bit. There's been kids who hit, hit, you know, these people with chairs, and they're making fifteen bucks an hour, and the schools just sit there and go, we can't pay, you know, they won't give them benefits. They don't give them health care. Right. I mean, it's just right. blowing my mind what these but people your- are actually doing, and they're not receiving. Right. They won't. They can't even get health insurance through the from the school districts, and I'm like, what is going on in California? It's, yeah, I, I don't get it. Well, but you're right, Greg. I mean, this is a problem. I mean, this this is why I'm saying we need to treat uh, caregivers and you know teachers, aides within the special needs area. Um, you know, we really have to compensate them at a rate that you need to have a psychiatric technician, for example, a behaviorist work with those kids. And I do want to just share with you. So one of the things that's really important is I do believe language is really important. You know, I, I, I understand. And, and again, I please don't take offense to this, but we always say like when kids get aggressive, but truthfully, they're getting dysregulated. So that's the really what's happening with them. They're dysregulated. And that means they can't hurt other people. I'm not trying to be Miss PC here, but I think it's important because a lot of times, you know, I have this conversation with my law enforcement partners. I've told the sheriff this, which is the, the big boss. I'm like, you can't say that they're getting aggressive because they don't mean to, right? That's just their reality. Like that's, you know, it's like you could, you wouldn't be upset at someone who couldn't walk if they're quadriplegic. Well, it's the same thing. It's just hard with brain injuries. You can't see it. So it's our, you know, it's, I think it's important for us to say um, terms that empower them, but also empower, you know, I think our institutions to say, let's look at this. We cannot pay an aide $15 to take care of an autistic nonverbal, uh, you know, 10 year old that, you know, maybe weighs like 200 pounds and it gets dysregulated often because he's very frustrated and he can't speak. And how would you feel? if you couldn't get out of your body and then they give you these psychotropic medications that are mood stabilizers, but they're not really working and they make you feel worse. I mean, it's, you know, it's like our homeless crisis as well. We've got to be more thoughtful and methodical and do something. And if it doesn't work, try something else, but we got to keep trying. I don't think we're doing enough. Well, and you've been so articulate about talking about these issues. In fact, I'm just reflecting on the, you know, more than a decade that we've known each other when, you know, obviously you were a media personality and then used your platform and your visibility to uh, call attention to issues that you personally are going through. But also thank you very much, Greg, for jumping into that question. These are some universal questions across a lot of families with dealing with uh, children with special needs and, and other disabled 
uh, uh, issues that have come up. So when did that start? When did you start to take it upon yourself to be more public about some of these challenges that are uh, across not just your family, but many others? You know, Phil, that's so funny. It is a great question because I remember, uh, right, you and I would talk about this. I think that uh, at one point I would, so I covered a bunch of, so when my brother graduated from whatever, I guess it's not really, what would it be? Let me think here. Um, there were two graduations he had. One was like a little mini one, uh, maybe junior high. So I, I covered that when I was at Good Day LA on the morning show for Fox here in Los Angeles. And I got so much love. I mean, it was adorable. Like so many viewers were like, oh my God, I have a cousin, I have a brother, I have a son, you know? So it was nice. People related and they opened up their story. And then I did a story about um, a prom because my mom said, this is terrible. Why don't the special needs students get a prom as well when my brother was in the public you know, high school setting. And so we pushed, we pushed, and then we got a prom. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, the kicker was here we That's wanted great. Christian. Yeah, we wanted Christian to go to the prom, but Christian at that time had too many behaviors and it was too hard for him to be around that many people. It was overstimulating for him. It was too much sensory stuff. Mm-hmm. So Christian did not get to go, but I still went and I was able to uh, get my newsroom to allow me to take a camera and cover the story. So I did the story and, you know, it was so beautiful because after that happened, I would go out on stories as a reporter. I remember there was a um, active shooter scenario somewhere in in inner city, South L.A. And one of, you know, there's got the the yellow tape is coming up and I'm getting out of the news van and I'm running, trying to get, you know, witnesses to talk to me what's happening here. And one of the uh, police officers walks up to me. I'm thinking he's going to yell at me. He's going to tell me I'm in the wrong area or something because he set up a perimeter. And he just said, hey, really quick, I just want you to know that I really love that story about the prom. You know, I have a brother with disabilities. Thank you so much. Okay, I got to go. And he went back to work. And I thought, oh, my God. It was like, that's the kind of impact sharing your story has because it really resonated with this. Yeah, it resonates. And when you live in this world, it is a different world. And I don't expect everybody to totally understand. But I, but I, what I do hope for, and I, I you know, my prayer is that people have compassion and you know, at least, you know, don't make me feel bad for dealing with what we're dealing with. And I think that's what a lot of our, our families deal with. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when I get on a plane and people, it, it, and it's interesting because I don't have children, right? Right. So I should be one of those snobby, you know, women on a plane that when a baby starts crying, I turn around and like, uh, can you shut your baby up? Cause you see that <laughs> a lot with people. And I, and I, and I realize that is a baby. That baby has no other way of communicating other than crying and screaming. So I'm not going to turn around and judge this parent or get upset at this parent because the child is acting out. We were all there at one point. Don't forget. It might actually be in reverse. The parent might be saying, shut the heck up. And you're saying, hey, go easy. You're, you're right. the one You're That's the one right. with the empathy, uh, Elizabeth. That's good. Uh, that is actually very true. Oh, the, uh, no, and it's, is it like, would you say it was 10 years ago, 12 years? Uh, how long since you really yeah. started to be, become such a champion uh, for, uh, you, you know, whether it's disabled and it's, and it's across multiple that, you know, there's a variety of different special needs and disabilities yeah, yeah. that affect families very differently. How That's long right. ha- would you estimate? And then a related question is why do you think so many folks have really, um, been 
so attracted to wanting to follow you. You have almost 30,000 followers now on Instagram. You've gotten some videos that have over 10,000 views. Uh, people are really responding. I'm not surprised, but I just wanted to know, oh. what do you attribute that to? I think it's just showing up and being yourself. I think that when you're authentic about what you believe in, I know that I'm not going to please everyone. I know that not everyone is going to agree with me on certain things, but this is what I know, right? This is my story and I can only claim and own my story. And if anything, I try to share with about my brother and I would say I've been pushing more of the advocacy agenda for about 15 years. I joined a board. I'm the, on the board member of Westside Regional Center here in you know the LA area. I've been to Sacramento to do some lobbying work. And I, I just think, and, I, and I'm going to tell you something interesting that happened today, just before this podcast here as we are live. Yes. Tell us. I had to go pick up some paperwork because, you know, we're concerned, um, you know, moving forward in life. My parents are aging. We're all aging. But God forbid, you know, something happens to one of them. And my parents are very close. They've been married for over 50 years. And I always think, gosh, you know how they talk about lovebirds that if one dies, the other one will die immediately. Well, they're my brother's guardians, right? So I had to go to the courts to try to get some paperwork to see about adding myself, right? So I can, you know, we have that as, you know, in case something were to happen, God forbid, you know, at least I will be there and we don't have to do the paperwork in the last minute, you know, under such t difficult circumstances. So I walked out of the uh, courthouse with, you know, just trying to understand the petitions and everything you have to file for conservatorship. And I walked, I walked out and I thought, gosh, you know, Christian has been under a conservatorship, my parents, for 20 years now since he turned um, 18, right, about. And what that means, in case you don't follow conservatorships, and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? <laughs> it's basically someone who has to make all the decisions for you because you can't make them for yourself. And so when you read it, it says, you know, a decisions about your uh, medical needs, your financial needs, um, your... Um, what is it? Uh, even talked about your sexual relationships, interestingly enough, right? Because, you know, you're an adult and you have those needs. And I kid you not, I almost started crying. It's just like, you know, and even talking about it right now, like it kind of like, it, it's like, it's sad. And I'm like, I, I, you know, there's so many people that may not have somebody that really will look after them. And I, and I think I, you know, it kind of, I'm breaking up over here. Um, it's hard because I think, gosh, you know, there's so many people uh, that I know they're worried about leaving their their loved ones, their babies, you know, their daughters, their sons behind. Like Greg mentioned, you know, there's a lot of parents that, they're not, you know, their kids are going to outlive them. And so if in my lifetime I can at least make a little dent in, in changing legislation or changing ways of doing business, creating more access and equity to health care, uh, to legal assistance, you know, to law enforcement, you know, ways of doing business. I, I think that I've done my part, but I really think that is what at this point really drives me. And I really had that moment today walking out of the courthouse. It was interesting. That was, that's, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I've, I've got, I've got like goosebumps right now. Like I, no. I think, you know, this, the work you're doing, the way you're doing it, the way you connect with people and, and, and are able to just bring everyone together with this sense of empathy. It's, 
it's really admirable. I really, I truly, I am looking at my arms right now. I've got goosebumps right Aww. now. And, and so, you know, just thank you on a personal note, sending you, your family, Christian, everyone, just like lots of love and support and everything. And, um, thank you. you know, just, just keep on doing you cause you're, you're pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> and you know, sort of just on that note, you know, I want to, we're coming up on 40 minutes coming up on the end of our episode. I kind of want to just end on a, on a, on a positive note and, would you please tell us about your proudest moment as Christian sister? Oh my gosh, my proudest moment. Oh my gosh, let's see. Whew. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, you know, I think my proudest moment is just that I've been able to help keep him safe. And I tell people, you know, I don't have a degree as a behaviorist, uh, but when my brother has become dysregulated at the height of his adolescence, when it was really hard because his puberty just, you know, threw him off. I mean, he was throwing window, uh, big TV screens outside windows. I mean, he broke every window. Uh, my parents are run out of the house and I'm proud to share these stories. And I think that's what also I, I want families to share these because you feel so alone. And I, and I think that's been the beauty of being a reporter as well for almost 20 years. I've been to so many homes and I, and everybody's got drama. Everybody's got stuff that they're not, that they're embarrassed of or think that, oh my God, they're going to judge us. It's like, no, because this is called humanity. It's called everyone has a story. Everyone has crap in their backyard. (laughs) Everyone has beauty in their backyard too, right? So it's all of it. It's just what you make out of it. And I just, I think I'm proud is that, um, there were many times where I had to show up and I was the only person that Christian would, you know, obviously he would listen to me. I'd walk in the house and he was, you know, his hands would be bleeding. He was upset, (sighs) like just breathing heavily, you know, totally dysregulated. And I didn't know that word and didn't know what it meant. I mean, you're just, you're new to all of it, right? You just have to learn. It's like trial by fire, right? And I would tell him, Christian, I love you. Like, you need to calm down, okay? Because you're, you're hurting yourself. And I think that he's, he, he has shown me that you can't quantify love. There's no question. And that love is ultimately the greatest power of it all. Because I, it is amazing how him, you know, him knowing that I love him so much that he would just calm himself down because he would see that I was very worried for him. And so I think that, you know, that, and, um, you know, whenever I can make him, uh, follow along and put up with my silly reels videos on my Instagram page now, because he's really smart. He's like, Oh, there she goes. My sister's such a pain in the ass with this. (laughs) Well, by the way, you mentioned the keyword humanity and there is so much, personality and love and emotion that shines through your posts. There's one in particular, I think it was about six weeks ago, you posted a video on Instagram of you and Christian. Uh, You, I think just got him new shoes, right? And (laughs) you posted about how we take for granted the fact that if you or I or Olivia or any of our, uh, most of the folks we interact with, we can all tell and express what we, no, I don't like these shoes. This is uncomfortable. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I need to go. I'm impatient, whatever. Right. We take that for granted that, uh, Christian and others 
with special needs can't do that. And just mm-hmm. the act of buying him shoes that are comfortable, that work for him, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. And the love that six two. I, and I <laughs> two eighty ex- six two two eighty. And uh-huh. so two big things. Number one, everyone go watch that video. Go to uh Elizabeth's uh Instagram page and at Elizabeth Espinosa. At you. Elizabeth Espinosa. Find that and watch the for the little things in that video. Just the way he is listening to you, the way you're understanding and showing that empathy is is really important. I think plus it's been viewed over like 15,000 times and I'm not surprised. There's Aww. a lot there. But I think really that is one of the reasons Olivia and I so at first I love having you on Aww. here. I love when you and I connect with such good friends uh, and proud of our friendship. But yeah. also we really wanted to invite that maybe just, uh, you know, as we're sort of wrapping up, uh, how do you, you know, do you look back at what you've done in terms of building your career and your media presence? Are you proud? Are you excited? Are you determined? How are you feeling as you sort of turn the page and look uh, for the next decade? It's a great question, Phil. You know what? I feel like I just got started. (laughs) I just got started. There's so much more work to be done and I'm excited. I think now we have digital real estate that we can explore and and spread the good word. Um, Social media is, you know, as we know, there are two sides to it. Some people say, oh my God, it's been the, you know, cause of all this evil. And I'm like, well, of course, but like anything, it's what you use it for and how we, you know, where we focus. And so I'm excited um, for the next chapter. I think there's so much more to accomplish. And I think there are, I mean, I love this new generation too. They believe in empathy. They believe in compassion. They believe in inclusion. And I think that's the path. And um, with amazing people like Olivia and Phil in the world, uh, I, I honestly, and I mean this, you know, I really think that we can accomplish and do so much more to make the world a better place for a lot of folks that need it. And and, and at the very least, have hope, have be inspired. I mean, I go to people. You inspire me, Olivia. You inspire me. Felt like, you know, Phil's an amazing dad, by the way, folks. I met Phil when he was just a single hot dude. And now he's like married. I'm like, oh my God. And he has a baby and it's adorable. And I think it's awesome. Yes. Not, not single, less hot, maybe. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> to one way. perspective. And Phil still kicks my butt on the track because he still runs like a six minute mile, this guy. Like, who are you? Phil would I, kick my butt on the track too. Like, let's, let's be clear right? about that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm kicking anybody's butts uh, these days, but yes, I am out there though on a regular basis. But yes, it's a little slower every year. Um, Whatever. No, thank you. No, uh, Elizabeth, this is great. Yes, uh, what an amazing. You know, the, we could do another hour. So let's connect again for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Thank you. Yes, follow Elizabeth on all her uh, social media. Follow us at Creator All Stars. And Olivia, what an amazing show. So what- good. I want to just just close out with, a, we got a comment from Swifty Lover um, in the live chat saying, thank you so much for educating us about this, Elizabeth. Um, just want to echo that. You know, this has been fantastic. Thank you for everything you've done, are doing, will continue to do. Um, and I, for one, feel like I've learned a lot from this episode. I can't wait to keep up with you and Christian and all your Instagram shenanigans. And just yes. thank you. Thank you for being here. And we would love to have you back sometime. 
Absolutely. Thank you guys. Can't wait to go party with you. That's one thing you should know about me. I'm a big dancer. And by the way, that's the one thing I will leave you with too. The most important key, guys, in getting through yes. life, it's Tell called us. hashtag sense of humor. Not, if not, you're out. <laughs> I don't know anything about that at all. <laughs> Olivia, what do you think? No, you're the best, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good weekend, everyone. You too. Bye. Bye.